How are y'all doing this morning? Woo, there we go. Y'all the 11:30 service, so y'all are a little more, a little more chipper. But uh, anyways, my name is Jacob Luera. I am the City U College Young Adult Pastor here at the City Church. Man, I'm super pumped and excited that I get to share with y'all today. Uh, we're going to go through the book of Psalms, chapter one, uh, as Barry was saying earlier. And this is personally one of my favorite uh, books in the Bible. It, it's one of the longest. It is the longest, actually, book in the Bible. So I'm excited that we get to jump into this today. So by show of hands here, how many of you would say that you enjoy music, right? Okay, just about every hand went up. We all like some type of music, right? Different types of music speak to each of us differently. You know, music, is, there's something about it. It goes beyond our heads and, and it really speaks to our hearts. It helps us process through things. It helps us deal with emotions, even, even through circumstances. We run to music in so many different areas in our lives. You know, I was thinking about it and I was like, man, I know I wasn't the only eighth grader who had a horrible breakup, right? And my little heart was broken. And I ran to the saddest song known to man and I just sat in it, right? Was I the only one that did that? Probably, okay, maybe. But anyways, I ran to that just to try to process what was going on in my heart. I didn't really know how to put it into words. You know, I'd run some music like this and this is going to kind of show my age. I'm a little old, but I would run to old school, some old school 2000s R&B music. All right. So I'd run to that, start singing my little heart out, you know, crying a little bit. This girl broke my heart. I would run some Usher. All right. Y'all know about Usher, right? Got to let it burn sometimes. That's, that's what I did. I let it burn, man. And the Lord <laughs> was gracious to me at that time. But man, when you read through the book of Psalms, that's, that's basically what it is, right? The book of Psalms are, are songs, poems written out to help us process what we're going through in life. You'll see that so much through the example of King David. King David wrote many of the Psalms um, in the book of Psalms. He wrote many of them and he was very honest before God. He would take the good, the bad, the ugly. He would, he would lay it all down before God. He would use verbiage even like, why have you forsaken me? You'll see that many times in the book of Psalms. He would even say things like, how long will you go on not answering my cries? You know, how long will it be until I hear your voice? How long until you answer me in my day of trouble? He just laid it down before God. And, and David was even called by God, a man after his own heart. So this is an example for us as both men and women of what it looks like to walk in intimacy with Jesus. You see, the, the, the book of Psalms, it's an example of that. And it, it helps us. It was known as the songbook of God's people. You see, they would sing these songs and these poems to remind themselves and others around them of the faithful God that we serve. As I said earlier, the book of Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. It has the longest chapter in the Bible, which I think it's like a hundred and something verses long. And it also has the shortest chapter, which is three verses long. I mean, you can express to God, you can pray a prayer that's three words long and God hears it, right? It's just it teaches us how to process things that we're going through, but it also teaches us how to pray, right? It gives a great example that God's not looking for these fancy words, but man, just bring them your heart. That's, that's what he wants from us every single day of our lives. The book of Psalms is broken up into five different sections and it has many different authors. So David wasn't the only one that wrote in the book of Psalms. That was new to me <laughs> as being a pastor, you know, kind of learning and, and doing some studying. I thought David wrote way more than what he did, but there's actually many different authors that write throughout the book of Psalms. 
So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to work through these first two chapters. So today is going to be chapter one. And then next week, our youth pastor, Josh Washington, he's going to take us through Psalms chapter two. But these two chapters act as the intro to the rest of the book of Psalms. So today I'm going to ask, as we've been doing kind of through the Luke series, we've had someone come up and read the word of God for us. And we've been standing just in reverence and honor of the word. Uh, so I'm going to ask that y'all do that with me right now. Uh, would y'all stand? And I'm going to ask one of our City U group leaders, Hunter McCall, to come up. And he's going to read Psalm chapter one with us. So would you follow along? Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, my name is Hunter McCall, and uh, I serve with City U. So yeah, let's read Psalms 1, verse 1. All the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves, and their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For, godly. for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Amen. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. So as we dive in today, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and give you all kind of the big idea, the main focus of what we're going to hit on here in Psalms chapter 1. And it's this. The word of God produces life and fruitfulness. The word of God produces life and fruitfulness. So here, as, as we read through Psalm chapter one, we see that it talks about two groups of people here. So it talks about the wicked and it talks about the godly. So right now we're going to start off and we're going to see what it says about the wicked. Starting in verse one, it says, oh, the joys of those who do not, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. You see here in this first, in this very first verse, there's almost like a progression here of what it looks like when we begin to follow the ways of the world, when we begin to give ourselves over to our sin, right? We're, we're following and then we're kind of slowing down to a stand and then we go down to even joining in or in the ESV translation, it says sits in with mockers. So when we follow, it says that the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. So this world, and we all know it, especially now in this day and age where social media rules everything, right? We have computers in our hands where we can just look something up and where it's feeding us so many things. And all the world feeds is lies and deceptions. It tries to pull us away from the word of God. It's enticing these things. If you do this or if you do that, you'll find joy here, right? If you go do this and, and you know, try to figure these things out for yourself, that's where you're going to find true joy in this world. That's, that's what the advice of the world tells us. But it says, do not follow the advice of the wicked. You know, if you do X, Y, and Z, right, that, that'll, that'll give you purpose right there. You'll be fulfilled if you do this, this, and this. But that's not what the Bible teaches. You see, the wicked always follow the advice of culture. They lean on opinion and not on truth. Right? They're led by speaking their own truth. You know, find your truth, speak your truth. But the only truth that there is, is the Bible. And that's what we filter everything through is the word of God. That's the authority that we've been given as we read through the city seven today. Right. It's the inspired word of God. It's the literal God breathed Holy Spirit inspired word of God. That's why we run to the word. Right. To to let the Lord mold us and shape us and work through our lives. 
So the world always produces a counterfeit of what the word of God says. When we follow the advice of the wicked, follow the advice of the world. So again, it goes from following and going on to standing. So now we're slowing down in that progression, okay? We're, we're following, we're being enticed. So now we're checking it out, right? Now we're, we're standing in with sinners. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, bad company corrupts good character. So it really does matter the, the, men, the people that we surround ourselves with, right? We begin to set up shop there in those areas. You know, there's, there's, we become calloused even to our own sin, Right? When we begin to dive into the things of the world, we, we don't feel conviction as much anymore. Right? We're kind of just getting used to this pattern that we're going through where we try to justify our own sin. We try to find ways to work around. Well, this isn't that bad. You know, it's just kind of, we, we find ourselves standing in with sinners. And then from there, it goes on to joining in, or as I said earlier, sitting in with mockers. So here we, we've set up shop. Right? We, we have built our foundation. We've built our house on the sinking sand. We've given in to our sin. We're delighting in it. You know, it's no longer just kind of testing it out, but we're finding joy there. We love what feels good to us when we begin to join in and sit in with mockers. We're past the point of trying to justify it. We begin to dive into the things that dishonor God and we become like the moth that Clayton talked about. If you were here with us a few weeks ago, he shared a story of how he was sitting down at his fireplace and uh, on this fire pit, a moth like landed right on the edge of it. And it just slowly walked towards the fire because it was being drawn in, right? Enticed by the light. It was walking towards the fire and fell right in. Poof, it was, it was dead, right? Obviously it, it burned up in an instant. And that's what it's like whenever we begin to give ourselves into the things of this world. We begin to follow the things that feel good to us and we will surely be just like this moth and, and find only death there and destruction. There's no life there in the ways of this world. There's no life in sin. So we see another example here of the wicked in verse four. It says, but not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. So what is chaff, right? Chaff is the loose covering of grain that would be separated from the grain and it would be thrown away or even used for fueling a fire, right? So there's a purpose for grain. We, we can use that, right? We, we use that to, to give things to, to make bread, you know, have things to eat. It's profitable, but chaff is the loose covering. It would fall off the grain. It would fall on the floor and it was inedible. So chaff, you, you cannot eat it. It's not good for you. So, so there's really no purpose for it. There's no use for it. They would even throw it into manure to kind of give it some substance. There's no use for chaff. And it says that the wicked are like chaff. Another mention of this word is in Matthew 3.12. And it says this, and this is John the Baptist here. And he's speaking of Jesus, of what he's going to do. And he says this, he is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never ending fire. This is what Jesus is going to do. It says the wicked are like chaff. They'll be thrown into the fire. And, and what we hear about that is, you know, scripture tells us that when we deny Christ and turn from him and decide to be our own savior, to decide to, decide to be our own gods, we'll be separated from him in a place called hell, little g gods, you don't want to be caught up with the wicked. 
That's why we preach the gospel here at the city church. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we preach the word of God. Because the only hope for eternal life is found in the name of Jesus and Jesus alone. Just like we heard last week, right? If there's no other name, then there's no other choice. It's Jesus and Jesus alone is where we find the fullness of life. So the takeaway that we get from here on the topic of the wicked is this. Disobedience leads to destruction. So when we disobey God's word, it leads to destruction. So what does it look like when we obey God's word, right? So, so there's two sides of that. When we disobey God's word, when we disobey and, and rebel from the Lord, there's destruction. So what does it look like when we follow and obey God's word? What does it look like? What does it say about the godly? And it says this, starting in verse two. It says that, but they, the godly, delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. This is what it says about the godly. So those who are joyful, they delight in the law of the Lord. So the law of the Lord is, is the word of God, right? They, they find joy in that. When you delight in something, you think of it, maybe, maybe you love sports, right? Maybe it's tech basketball, tech, tech baseball, football. I don't know, maybe it's the Cowboys right now. The Cowboys are doing pretty good, right? You're delighting in them this year, even though it's been tough, but you delight in them. You, you find joy there, right? In the things that you delight in. You want to be there. There's pleasure in those areas. And so it is when the godly follow the word of God. They delight in the word of God. They find joy in the word. They want to remain in it. They want to soak in it. So as followers of Jesus, this is an encouragement to give ourselves to the word of God, right? Because it produces life within us. It, it directs us. It gives us comfort when we need comfort. It gives us direction when we need direction. It even says in Psalm 119, 103, it says that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet, guiding and lighting the path on which way we should go. So the word gives us direction. It leads us in the right way. So the word of God isn't just some, some book that we read, right? Well, I'm a Christian, so I guess I got to read the Bible. That's just what we do, right? No, like the word of God is alive and it's active. It's the literal God-breathed, Holy Spirit-inspired word of God. And we see that here in Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And it even goes on to say after that, that everything is naked and exposed before God. Nothing's hidden before God. Everything is exposed before his word. So God uses his word to draw out of us even the innermost darkest sins in our lives. And he does that because he cares for us, because he doesn't want us to remain there. He's not trying to take your joy away, but he's trying to show you where true joy is found and it's found in him. He works these things in and through us by the work of his spirit. When we give our lives to Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit that works these things in and through us. You know, it's, it's not so much, okay, I got to do less of this now because I'm a Christian and I got to do more of this now because that's, that's what I got to do as a Christian, right? But no, it's humbling ourselves before God and his word, asking him to mold us and shape us and he will do the work as we humbly come before him. We can resist and try to deny, but he's going to draw it out of us one way or another when we give our lives to Jesus. 
you know, you almost think like a, think about a, a clay pot, right? There, there's some rough edges. It starts off as just like a little blob and it's molded into a beautiful, beautiful pot. But there's a, there's a molder, right? There's someone that is molding it and shaping it. And even all the rough edges, it takes pressure to smooth them out, right? It takes some reforming, reshaping. And that's what God does with us. We're that pot. He, he's, the, he's the molder. He's the shaper. He doesn't want us to remain with those jagged edges, but he will work in and through some pressure in our lives, working through the word of God. He will pull those things out of us because he wants us to be more and more like him. And he will produce that. And that's awesome. That's, that's awesome that God will do that with us, right? Even in our rebellion, he will call us out of it when we submit ourselves to the word of God because he loves us. He wants to show us where true joy is found. So we begin living by his words, right? And those bring true fulfillment and purpose in our lives. So the godly, going back, it says, we started, they delight in the law of the Lord. So now the godly also meditate on it day and night. So meditating, right? So, so in this context, in this day and age, when it's talking about this, he's not talking about sitting there, you know, crisscross applesauce, trying to empty your mind, you know, making some weird noises, trying to empty yourself, humming or anything, you know, trying to meditate. But instead, meditating in this, in the context of this age, they would recite the word of God. They would recite it out loud so that everyone could hear it. They would remind themselves and others of the word of God. They would recite it. They would read it. They delighted in it. They loved his words. So when you think, so whenever you begin to dive into the word of God, it changes the way that you think. You begin to see things through a new filter, a new lens, right? We filter our thoughts through the word of God. We're not trying to cleanse our minds of anything, but instead we're filling our minds with the word. We're filling our hearts with his word. Goes on to verse three. It says that the godly are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. It says their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. So the godly are like trees planted along a riverbank. Okay, so when you're planted near the source of life, right, you're, you're there. You're not working for it. It's, it's there. When you're planted and rooted near the source of life, you, you get your strength from there. You get your nutrients. You get everything that you need from the source of life. And this source that it's talking about, so the, the river represents Jesus. And if we plant ourselves near to Jesus, dig our roots deep, we will bear fruit in every single season. Our leaves won't wither. We won't become dry. We won't wither away. We won't become weak. But in our weakness, his power is made perfect. That, that, that is sustaining us, that is keeping us going when we are rooted to the source. Jesus gives another example of, of being connected to the source here in John 15, 5. And Jesus says this, he says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the illustration of the, the tree planted by the riverbank, the illustration of the vine and the branches, they all point back to one thing. Again, when you're rooted and anchored in Jesus, you produce much fruit. Whatever season you're going through, maybe you're in a tough season right now in life. Maybe, maybe you feel like, man, I've been weighing, like feeling this weight of the world coming down on me and it's not letting up. Or maybe you're on that, on that mountaintop right? Maybe you're in that mountaintop season. Maybe you're in the valley season. Wherever you find yourself right now, God is all sufficient to produce and give you everything that you need. 
When you remain in him, he's going to produce good things, visible things. When we produce fruit, it's only a representation of what Jesus is doing in our lives, right? It's the outward pouring, the outward showing of what Christ is doing or has done in our lives when he produces fruit in us. And we remain near to him man. nothing is wasted. Not a season is wasted, whether it feels like you, you feel like God is a thousand miles away, yet he is always near. Nothing is wasted. He works in and through every single moment. So why is the word of God such a big deal? Right? Why do the godly spend so much time meditating on it, delighting in it, all this stuff? Why is it such a big deal? Why do we teach through the Bible here at City Church? And I believe Paul gives a great example here in Ephesians. And, and so he's talking about how Christ gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So he gave pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So our job here at the City Church, our job on staff is to equip every single one of you for the work of the ministry, for the ministry that God has given you. Have you ever thought about that? Like God has given you a ministry specifically. He has put you in your workplaces, in your spheres of influence, in your classes at school for a specific reason, to reach only the people that you can reach. If I go in there, I can't, re I can't reach them, right? They don't know who I am, but they know who you are and you have that connection. God has given you a ministry to reach those who are far off, those who are lost. So again, our job is to equip you in the word of God, and that's why we preach it. We equip you in prayer. That's what we do on Wednesday nights at City Nights, right? We, we spend time in prayer. We, we model it. We show you what it looks like just to come before God, honestly, in prayer with petition and just asking him to move. Here and coming up in actually in January, uh, at the end of January, we're starting our Discover class. So this Discover class is going to be kind of a hands-on, we're going to go out with you, model with you what it looks like to go and make disciples in every place that you go. We're going to model with you and show you what it looks like to talk to people about Jesus, to pray for people, to simply just love on people. And that's, that's what we're called to do as Christians. And through that Discover class, we're going to model for you what it looks like to make disciples. So that's our job here as the City Church staff is to equip you. And we do all these things for what? Okay, again, equipping you for the work of the ministry, but also it says this in Ephesians 4.13. We teach the word, we pray, we teach how to, to make disciples so that we will be mature in the Lord. That is why we do these things. So we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So as a result of that, as a result of growing in maturity in the Lord and in, in the word, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed around. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So you see, we grow, when we grow in the word, when we dig our, our roots deep near to that riverside, it produces maturity. It helps us to walk near to the Lord. We begin to hear him more clearly. We begin to feel like, okay, there's someone walking right there. I, I don't know why, I just feel like I need to go pray for them or ask them if they're doing okay. 
When we are abiding in the Lord, man, he, he will do amazing things when you're open and willing. Just sit back and watch what he will do when you have a willing heart. So as we grow, we're able to sift out all of these lies, even lies so clever that they sound like truth, right? All right, does, does the Bible really say that? You know, I, don't know, I feel like it says this. I, I, I don't know if it is just by faith. That's too easy, right? I, I feel like there's a little bit of work you have to do. And then, you know, we'll think about Jesus, but you really got to work hard. And then that's where you find eternal life. But that is not true because we know the word of God. When we are in the word, we know that that eternal life and salvation is by faith and faith alone in Jesus. When we surrender ourselves to him, when we die to ourselves and deny ourselves and live for Christ, that's where eternal life is found. It's just surrender. Giving up the rights to your life to a God, a king who came and died for you and me, every single one of us. That's what it's called to be a Christian. That's how you give your life to Jesus. You know, it's not about praying a simple prayer and then you're, you're saved, right? It's, it's about life giving. It's surrendering. It's a decision that you make between you and the Lord. Denying yourself and living for him is what he calls us to do as Christians, to take up our cross and die. And you see, Jesus does this after he went and modeled it for us. He paid the fine. He died for us, and now he's calling us to do the same, to live for him and to die to ourselves. So you see, Paul here is just telling us to grow up in the word in Ephesians 4, be mature and not immature like children, to move on from spiritual milk to solid foods, right? You think about, about infants, right? There's, there's, there's purpose for the milk, right? So when we first come to know Jesus, you know, we, we don't really know what's going on. I'm trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. What does this even look like? You know, we're on that spiritual milk. It's useful, but he wants us to move on to solid foods, to grow in maturity. You, you ever try to feed a baby a T-bone steak? Like, like they can't chew it, right? They're, they're not there yet, but as they grow in maturity, they have cheek muscles. They begin to grow teeth. They begin to chew on that steak, right? They begin to savor it. They begin to Man, like this tastes good, this, this medium rare steak. You know, that's the only way to eat a steak. And like they just begin to grow in those areas, right? So it is when we grow in our relationship with Jesus. We begin to savor the word of the Lord. We begin to meditate on it. We begin to see the Lord moving in different ways in our lives. God is continuously growing us in our walks with Jesus. So we don't need to despise that spiritual milk where he starts us, where, where we begin to figure out who he is and who we are in him and our identity. But man, every single step, there's purpose. We just gotta be reminded that God is working in and through it all. So what are some ways that we can grow, right? We're talking about growing maturity. So how do you do that, right? Okay, Jacob, how, how do I grow in maturity in the Lord? And I have a couple of challenges here for you and, and some steps that I think would, would be great first steps to do that. So one of them is this, follow the daily devos on our app. If you haven't downloaded our City Church Lubbock app, there's a QR code on the pew right in front of you. You can scan that, download the app, and man, follow us through our daily devos. We have daily scripture readings every day of the week. And that's an easy and simple way to get your family around the word of God, to get yourself into the word of God, to be planted by that riverbank. Another step that you can take is this. Join a city group. So a city group is uh, our small groups that we have that meet all throughout the week here at the city church. 
It's our church coming together in small groups to grow in the word of God. It says, so as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend, right? We sharpen each other in the word. We grow in the word with one another. We build each other up in the word of God. It's an amazing thing how God doesn't want us to do this on our own, but he calls us to community. He calls us to do life with other disciples. So this brings me back to the big idea for today. The word of God produces life and fruitfulness. And you know, maybe you find yourself following the advice of the wicked, right? Maybe, maybe you're like, man, I've, been, I've set my shop up, like I've built my house on that sinking sand. I'm not even, I'm past following, I'm sitting down, right? I'm sitting down here with mockers. And as we walked through the topics of the wicked, I want y'all to hear my heart on this. I, I say this with complete humility before you guys, because everything that it mentioned there, right? Following the advice, standing around, joining in, that, that was me. That was me in my life. I, I was following the advice of the wicked. I was, I was enticing others, actually. I was all the way in. I was the one who would host parties at my house every single weekend. I would invite others and, and lead and, and use my influence to lead others away from Jesus, right? I would make fun of Christians. I would sit there, I would try to lead others to dive into themselves. And this is, this is probably gonna show my age a little bit. Again, I keep going to that, I'm not that old, but I feel old. Back in 2011, we used to use the, the phrase YOLO, right? Y'all remember that, YOLO? So that stands for you only live once. So I remember we had a week where we called it a YOLO week and, and we literally spent every single day of the week getting drunk and getting high. And that was the goal, that was the aim of the week. Yoloi, right? Live for yourself. Live for the moment now. It doesn't really matter what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't really care. Let's do what feels good to us now. And that's where I was. I loved, I delighted in it, right? I, I thought I loved it. I thought I was finding joy there. But yet, every night when I went to sleep, there's, there's an emptiness there. It was never fulfilling. It was never satisfying. It was never enough, right? Man, if I just go out and I do all this, do all that, experience a little bit, you know, man, maybe, just maybe there I'll find happiness. It'll be a good time, right? It'll be fun. But I came home empty. That was my life. That was my lifestyle. And, and I was living in that until one night I was hosting a party at my house and, and I was in my room with a couple of other people about to make a really, really, really bad decision. And as I was sitting there, I was drunk, I was high, so I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't at church. I wasn't praying. But I was sitting there drunk and high and I felt a voice like I've never heard or felt before in my chest. And it said these words. It said, Jacob, what are you doing? Get up. And that voice was so convicting and so compelling that I got up out of my chair and I walked out of my room and into my cousin's room and he was trying to go to sleep at that time. And I just remember I walked into his room, I fell on my knees and I just started to cry. I started weeping. I remember telling him, man, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of this. There's, there's no purpose in this lifestyle. I'm tired of living this way. 
see, God met me right in the middle of my rebellion. I didn't have to work my way back to him. He met me where I was. And it was in that moment I gave my life to Jesus. And you know, I wish I could say that it was a, a night and day transformation. I wish I could tell you that I didn't struggle with these things, right? It was just like, nope, I'm, I'm over here now. That's, that's dead and gone. But I'd be lying if I said that was, that was true. I wrestled for the longest time with one foot in, one foot out, right? One foot in the church, one foot in the world. It hurt, right? It, I knew God was calling me to so much more. I knew he was calling me to live for him. But at the same time, it was like, man, but my friends, most of these friends were, were family members, actually. It was hard to let that go, but I felt God pulling me towards himself. I caught a lot of slack. I was made fun of a lot. I was mocked all the time by my family members, by my friends that I didn't want to give up. They made fun of me because I, I just felt, man, God's calling me to this. So I had to make changes in my life. I had to surround myself with the right people. I had to surround myself with godly men to build me up in Christ and not tear me down for something that I felt God was calling me to do. And maybe that's you today. I don't know, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you are in a, an area where you feel like, man, God's pulling me here. He's calling me over here, but it's just hard. My friends, you know, I've, been, I've known them for years. Maybe you need to make some changes. Maybe you need to ask God how he wants you to go about doing that. Maybe you need to give some things up. Maybe you just need to ask God to help you and give you direction like he says he will in his word. See, because I found as, as I began to draw near to the Lord, that, that's where true fulfillment is. That's where true joy is. That's where happiness is. I'm here standing in front of you today because of Jesus and his grace and his mercy. And that's the only reason. Nothing about Jacob Luera was qualified to go into ministry. If anything, everything said he was disqualified, right? You're not, you can't do that, but God. But God and his love and mercy called me out of that and drew me in towards himself. So if you feel like, man, like God is tugging on me right now, I feel like I need to change what I'm doing. I feel like I just need to ask God for help. Start there. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, right? Maybe you've never made that decision to give your life to Christ. Maybe you have, and maybe you've just drifted, slowly drifted away. Man, you don't have to work your way back to Jesus. He's right there. Just turn around. He's ready for you to come back with wide open arms. All you have to do is cry out to him, call him and ask him for help. Pray to him, ask him for help and he will do it. She surely will. He will never forsake you or leave you. Ask God for help in this. You see, we preach the gospel because there is a moral standard of perfection, right? We wanna spend eternity and life with Jesus. That, that's, that calls to be morally perfect. And I don't know about y'all, but I fall short of that every single day, even as a pastor. I severely fall short of that daily, but it's by the grace of God that he keeps us and draws us near towards himself. So you see, we fall short of that standard. So that means someone has to pay the fine, right? It's either gonna be you, it's either gonna be me, or it's gotta be Jesus. See, God sent Jesus to live a perfect life so that he could meet that perfect moral standard. 
He lived a perfect life, yet he took the fine that you and I deserve. The payment for our sin is eternity separated from him in a place called hell. Jesus went to the cross. He hung there bearing the weight of the world's sin. He died on that cross for you and me. And he was buried and three days later, God rose him from the grave, defeating death, defeating sin. And that's where our hope is as Christians. Our hope is in the resurrected King Jesus. He broke that. We don't have to worry about death anymore. We don't have to worry about where we're gonna be after we die. The answer's in Jesus. He said, none come to the Father unless they go through me. If there's no other name, there's no other choice. Like we said last week, there's no other choice by which name we should be saved. And that's Jesus. So if you've never made that decision, I want to, I just ask you, but, but plead with you, make that decision today. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised even five seconds from now. He's being patient with us for our sake so that none shall perish and that many more shall come to salvation. He's being patient with us so that we may feel our way back to him, that we may know him, that we may find life in his scarred hands. So again, if you've never made that decision, Make that decision today. It's just a conversation with Jesus you gotta have, right? It's not a special prayer. Just talk to Jesus. It's that simple. And he will give you true fulfillment in your life. I promise you that. I promise you. He will lead you in the right direction. So again, let's be like trees planted along the riverbank. Let's be like the branches connected to the vine. Let's dive into the word of God. Let's draw near to Jesus and allow him to work in our lives. Let's, let's, let's just see what he does. He wants to do it. He wants to use you. But are we willing? Let's see what Jesus does this week as we pursue him. Will you pray with me? Jesus, man, thank you so much, God. Or thank you that you see me in all of my brokenness. You see me, God, in the, in the middle, in the middle of here and now, God, and yet you are still present. You never forsake, you never give up, God. You constantly pursue our hearts. So Lord, thank you for your grace that surpasses all understanding, because I know I don't understand it, God, <laughs> but yet you shower it on us every single day. Call your people home today, God. Stir us up, Lord, in Jesus' name.